This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. There's almost nothing that gets homeowners in Cook County nervous, like a letter from the county assessor. That's because every three years, the county assessor determines the value of your home, which affects how much you'll pay in property taxes. For years, the system had major flaws. Several investigative reports in 2017 and 2018 show then-assessor Joe Berrios' office was rife with corruption and charged low-income homeowners a much higher tax rate while providing breaks and loopholes for the wealthy and connected. Berrios was voted out of office in 2018, and Fritz Kage became the assessor with a mandate to overhaul the entire system. He's been working toward that goal, but the novel coronavirus pandemic has taken a toll on property values, especially in places hit hard by the virus. So now the office has decided to expand its work in what will be an unprecedented reevaluation of county property values. Joining us now to talk about his plans and how it could affect you is Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. Assessor Kage, welcome to Reset. Hey, Jen, how are you? Doing okay. Well, usually your office does what is called a triennial assessment to look at one-third of the county. So what about your system is changing this year? So, yes, we're due to reassess the south suburbs and the west suburbs this year. And ordinarily, it would be done as of uh, values on January 1st. But then we saw the COVID-19 crisis unfold and saw the great, huge economic effects on unemployment. And we thought that we should make sure our assessments reflect as best we can what's going on out there due to COVID-19 and how it might affect real estate prices. And what about the review process? Will there be any adjustments to that? Well, yes. So we will be taking into account COVID-19 and the assessments that we send out to folks who live in the south suburbs as best we can, but people retain all their rights to appeal if they think their assessment hasn't been fair, doesn't reflect what's going on in the market. And there are some townships where we already sent out assessments uh, based on what we knew as of January 1st. They have already sent in appeals for that, and we will be updating all the values for folks who live in those townships um, after appeals are in um, and make sure that COVID-19 effect is, is reflected in all those towns that have received their assessment notices already. Has anything in the appeals process changed or will it change going forward? People retain all their rights to appeal. People can do these appeals online, which they haven't been able to uh, to this extent in the past. So we've made sure that our systems are able to handle all the extraordinary demands we have during uh, COVID-19. As always, our duty remains to estimate the market value of people's property to the best of our ability. Um, and then people retain their rights to appeal if they think it's been inaccurate. What's the incentive behind doing this now? Our assessments are supposed to reflect the market as as, uh, best as possible. This is how we split up um, the cost of local government. So the cost of local government is divided up amongst us based on our estimates of 
the market value of people's properties. And we thought it's much better for us to try to estimate as best we can that effect and have that reflected in how we divide up the large cost of local government rather than proceeding as if nothing had happened. We think it's only fair and that we think it's our duty to try to take into account what's happened with COVID-19 on certain kinds of property, certain communities, and to everyone, and to do that as best we can, because we think that's what our duty is as part of this process. And talk about the timing of moving to this decision now, especially when we don't know exactly when we'll be on the other side of this or what the long-term economic impact will be. Sure. So it's it complicated. Uh, we, you know, we'd already started sending out assessments this year as of you know where we estimated the market was on January 1st, and then the crisis began to unfold. And we said, look, we should suspend this and um, take stock of what's happening and estimate uh, the impact of this as best we can, rather than proceeding as if nothing had happened. So that that put us behind a little bit, and we'll be sending out a new schedule, sending out the new assessments, uh, making sure that the assessments for towns that we've already sent out are taking into account this COVID-19 effect too. So it puts us under the gun a little bit, but we think we should be going the extra mile because we know people out there are suffering and we should make sure that we're taking into account the impact of that uh, on markets. Now we can look to different uh, indicators for what is happening. So we can look at what's happening with different uh, asking prices. We can look at what's happening with sales. There are some kinds of real estate that trade publicly. We can look to past crises, the downturn in 2008, 2009, as well as other instances when there have been uh, periods of massive increases in unemployment or natural disasters in some communities. These are all things that we can look to as indicators of of what the impact might be from COVID-19 on real estate. Now, this is hard to do because this is all unfolding as we speak. And, and, as, and as you mentioned, there is a lot of uncertainty, but uh, we have to at least do our best estimate of that because we think that's only the right thing to do in making sure our assessment system is fair for everyone. This decision means an in, a significant increase in workload for, for your department. And as you said, you're under the gun. Are you confident you can get this all done? Yes, we have a very capable team. Uh, um, we're, I'm very proud of the people who, who are doing this work. So our IT team uh, has a lot of demands on them, and they've done great in moving our office to uh, being able to work from home. We put into place six different tech platforms in February that put us in a position, fortunately, to be able to adjust to this. Our chief valuations officer, Don Meyer, used to run lending for Byline Bank, and he's lived through many different crises as a lender in his past. So he's seen several different cycles. So that experience really helps us to do this. We've managed to beef up our, our valuations team. Um, the, uh, you know, we certainly have a lot of demands. We'll do it as best we can to make sure that uh, we're taking into account the effect of the market. Of course, one of the hardest things about this is we don't have a lot of great data because this is all unfolding in real time. So let's talk about the northern suburbs and and the city, Chicago. What's going to happen in those areas? What should homeowners expect? Sure. So uh, ordinarily, these areas are not due for a reassessment this year. But because of COVID-19, we will be able to to make uh, an adjustment to assessed values, not a full reassessment, but an adjustment uh, for COVID-19 for the north suburbs and, and Chicago. Uh, it will not be a full reassessment of different classes to the amount of detail that we can do in the south suburbs, uh, but uh, we will uh, make some adjustment. This was done by our office during the global financial crisis in 2008-2009, uh, 
Um, so there is a precedent for that, and we'll do that this year as best we can. It can't be as granular as what we're looking at in the south suburbs, but we'll do it as best we can based on the data that we have, the technical resources we have, and the time that we have. And for the southern and western suburbs, what should they expect? Well, for the southern and western suburbs, this is a full reassessment this year, and it will take into account the COVID-19 effect in their assessments, and people should look to uh, when they get their assessment notice to make sure that their assessment notice uh, reflects their best, their what, you know what they think the market value of their property is. Now we can always get this wrong. The 100%, it's 100 percent likely that people know more about their property than we do. So this is why during the appeals process, that people can present uh, information to us that helps us situate what's going on with that piece of property in the market. That helps us to do to make a better assessment. So that's what people should look out for. Um, just know that we are trying to take into account the COVID-19 effect as we do this now. So by your estimate, Cook County property values could decrease by 10 to 50 percent, depending on a number of factors. Break down some of the specific factors. Those numbers reflected how much uh, different communities went down during the last crisis. I wouldn't necessarily expect that again this year. There are a lot of differences. During the last crisis, we had a housing bubble that we came into, and then we went into a collapse. I wouldn't say that most communities were in the same kind of bubble going into this. If we just look at the different kinds of property out there, there's some people have seen the big lines at grocery stores. You can People are using lots of online um, resources, so there are data centers out there, uh, self-storage. These are the kinds of things that aren't really affected by the financial crisis, by, by the COVID-19 crisis, as other kinds of property, for example, think of street-level retail, think of performance spaces, think of anything with, that would host a restaurant or have people congregate. That's the kind of variance you see. And then resi- in residential terms, you know, some communities are hit more by the financial crisis last time than others in the south suburbs. Housing prices came down a lot and never recovered. In other communities, they weren't affected as much. So we try to look at when different communities have experienced a, a disturbance like the crisis, what was the local impact? That's the kind of thing that we'll look at. Um, we also look at unemployment. Uh, we know that uh, unemployment is really concentrated in the service industries right now and the gig economy. And there is census data that tells us where uh, communities have more of that kind of employment than others. So we can sort of say that, okay, probably there'll be more impact on housing in these communities where that's happening than in others that might be more resilient. Those are the kinds of factors that we've been looking at. We've been talking to experts who who looked at through this data, economists at the in, in government authorities in the banking industry and the real estate industry to try to estimate this as best we can. A big picture, are we starting to see any trends emerge, especially around commercial properties as a result of COVID-19? One really important thing that's emerging is that there are different kinds of relief being provided by different parts of the real estate financing chain, and that there are ways for us to work together on this. For example, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are are two really important sources of financing for uh, the apartment industry, Um, and they are providing forbearance, which means that uh, they will suspend mortgage payments for three to 12 months for folks who have borrowed from them if their borrowers undertake not to evict their tenants. What we can do uh, on our part of the assessor's office is 
during the appeals process get information from landlords who have worked with their tenants to modify payments to uh, take account of uh, what's going on with COVID-19 to maybe provide rent relief. And we can take that information and if, and if uh, tenants uh, attest to the fact that those modifications were made, we will be able to take that into account in our assessment so that we're working together with other providers of relief, other providers of forbearance out there to do our part in this as well. That's one of the things that we're looking at. I think in commercial real estate in general, there are so many different parts of the economy that have really been devastated. If you look at credit card transactions, you know, activity at restaurants, travel and tourism in art spaces are down by 70 to 100 percent. They're completely empty. And the thing that's very disturbing is that we don't know what the recovery will look like, but we can probably estimate that it will be come in fits and starts. People will probably be more reluctant to spend, re- reluctant to hire back at the levels they were at before, to invest at the levels at before, to lend at the levels that were at before. So I think it's reasonable to expect there's going to be a lot more caution looking out several months. And that's the kind of thing that we're trying to anticipate and take into account uh, and I think that's what the market is trying to find its level on when it comes to real estate values right now. Well, commercial property owners are being encouraged by your office to use a form you created. It's called the Real Property Income and Expense Form. Can you explain what that is and how you hope people will use it? Sure. So uh, the way we do assessments traditionally has been to use third-party data uh, to try to estimate what's going on with the earnings and rent of different commercial buildings. The problem with that is that the data is incomplete, and it's sort of like driving by looking at the rearview mirror. It's out of date by the time it's been compiled. The Real Property Income and Expense Form gives us a broader view into neighborhoods, into smaller kinds of property, and it gives us more of a real-time sense of what's happening. So if property owners are filling out a real um, Real Property Income and Expense Form, that is showing us what kind of forbearance they're providing their tenants uh, when it comes to modifying rent payments, taking delays in rent payments, or maybe even providing rent relief. That's the kind of thing that we can take into account by saying, ah, okay, so we know apartment buildings of this kind in this neighborhood are are seeing rent collections down 30%. They're making modifications of 10%. That can have an impact on value that we can calculate. And that kind of form really helps us to do our job better. I think uh, commercial property owners submitting the form and providing lots of information with it helps us to get a better sense of how big the actual impact is on them so we can take into account in our assessments. That's our job. So really quickly, when will people see the outcome of these assessments reflected in their taxes? Well, so that's really important to note. So that any assessments that we're doing this year will only impact people's taxes in the second half of 2021. The tax bill that people pay, uh, the second half that's coming up this year is in uh, uh, July 2020, and that reflects assessment work that we did last year. So all the assessments that we're doing this year only affect people's taxes in the second half of 2021. And then what does that mean for your office as you move forward? Which third of of the city will be reassessed next year, for example? So next year, we'll reassess Chicago, and uh, we'll have more data in hand to to take on that challenge. And uh, we'll also be, I think there'll be more data out there that will help us do a better job in making sure that the 
assessments were accurate. Chicago is the biggest part of, of our job. It's one third of the county geographically, but it's about half of the property value, and it's very complicated and rich and diverse, and um, it's demanding on us. And so we've been all of our work over the last year on terms of technology and hiring has been about gearing up for it. So um, that's what we'll uh, do next year. I think um, you know one of the things that I've been talking about, I wrote an op-ed in the Tribune, is that all of our local governments under, are under a lot of stress right now because they are the front lines for dealing with COVID-19. And yet, how do they finance themselves? It's largely through sales taxes and property taxes. And so with the crisis happening, their finances are under strain. And at a time like this, it is vitally important that the federal government backstop the front lines of defense against COVID-19 that are our state and local governments. And the way they do that is they need to do it by making sure that there is enough uh, federal support on the education side, which is most of property taxes, as well as backstopping state and local governments because the revenues have fallen. We don't want them to have to look to raising property taxes to finance themselves at a time like this. It's very important. I know our federal, our congressional delegation has been speaking out on this. I've been speaking out on it. It's very important that federal relief and backstops be there for these uh, local health authorities, uh, schools, local governments that are really the front lines against COVID-19 that provide that stopping power to make sure that there's a backstop for them. Every dollar that the federal government can provide in education relief and state and local government relief is one less dollar that has to be paid in property taxes around here. Very important during a crisis like this. If people want to find more information on the reassessment, where should they go? They can go to our website, cookcountyassessor.com, um, and there they can uh, do online appeals. You can do, um, you can file for exemptions. The exemption deadline is passed, but you can still do that there uh, on our website to file your exemptions online. That's something we added this year. You can uh, get property level information on our website, which has been completely redesigned. Um, and they can also uh, make other document requests there. We're replying to customer and taxpayer inquiries through social media, online, um, and our office is, is functioning through this crisis on a work-from-home basis. That's Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. We'll tweet out a link to that website at WBEZ Reset. Thanks so much for just speaking with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jen, and thanks to the listeners. And that's today's Reset. For the latest updates on the COVID-19 pandemic, tune to WBEZ 91.5 or go to WBEZ.org. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.